A shake-up on the board of the Reserve Bank is starting to get underway ahead of a critical review that could shorten or even end the career of Governor Philip Lowe, as you might have been hearing in recent months. Lots of speculation around that. The Treasurer, Jim Chalmers, has confirmed that two board members will not be reappointed, making way for wider boardroom renewal at the RBA later this year. Let's get more now from the ABC senior business correspondent, Peter Ryan, who joins us. Peter, good morning to you. How significant, firstly, are these departures of these two board members, given the likely shake-up that is underway at the RBA? Well, uh, good morning, Tom. This is a, a pretty big deal because it creates room for, as you mentioned, boardroom renewal at the Reserve Bank. Uh, once the RBA review lands in Jim Chalmers' in-tray at the end of March, two directors on the nine-member RBA board, business leaders Wendy Craik and Mark Banaba, will now finish in May and August this year, respectively. They've told Jim Chalmers they won't be seeking reappointment. There's no suggestion they were pushed in any way, but to quote Mr Chalmers, they were prepared not to be considered. Now, this opens the way for two brand new directors, and last week the federal government sought expressions of interest from potential candidates for the RBA board. That's the first time board roles have been advertised. Economist Warren Hogan, economic advisor to Judo Bank, says there's a big cloud over the future of RBA Governor Philip Lowe and that ill-fated comment that the RBA's official cash rate would stay close to zero until 2024. Of course, not a promise, but a poorly judged signal or prediction that's damaged the RBA's credibility. There is no doubt that the RBA has not performed at its best through the pandemic. And indeed, the the worst thing they really did was the Ford guidance. And in my view, that was when the board really needed to step in. That's where they could have brought all that organisational leadership and and, and real-world experience that they're meant to bring to the RBA board to basically say it was a bad idea. And they didn't. And I think it's a failing of the board. And and I think there needs to be consequences for that. So it seems that the Treasurer, Jim Chalmers, really is laying the groundwork for real renewal that will mean new people in that Reserve Bank boardroom who will be more active in making the decisions. Yeah, well, that could be the case. I think the really interesting piece will be whether or not a separate monetary policy committee is set up and that the the board as we know it now is, is what most boards are, and that is a governance and oversight uh, role. And the decisions around monetary policy are taken by people with a little bit more expertise in economics, finance, banking, this sort of thing that helps the RBA in making their decisions on whether interest rates should be up or down in any given month. So is this just the start of softening up that we'll be seeing from Jim Chalmers before he receives that uh, review into the Reserve Bank at the end of March? Well, I think it's practical, but it is obviously a first step. The pandemic did see some of its weaknesses come to the fore, and I think it is time for a few changes to be made. But look, there is potential for a lot of change at the Reserve Bank over the next six months, including um, a new governor as well as um, a new monetary policy. Economist Warren Hogan there with Peter Ryan, who's uh, with us live. Peter, when do we see those findings of the review into the Reserve Bank? Well, Tom, uh, once Jim Chalmers sees the independent RBA review and presumably discusses it with Treasury and Cabinet and the Prime Minister, expect to see it dropped or made public between the end of March and the May budget. So potentially six weeks to consider, meaning that this time next year, the Reserve Bank uh, will have at least two new board members and maybe even a new governor. Although uh, Jim Chalmers does have the option of giving Philip Lowe perhaps a face 
saving shorter second term, maybe two or three years, but a fair way to go with that. Okay, now while we have you there, a year of course since those devastating floods, both in southeast Queensland and northern New South Wales. We've been covering that a lot this morning, Peter, but there has, just while we've got you there, been an alarming rise in complaints about insurance companies. Yes, a terribly difficult time for flood victims and also insurance companies as they get through a mammoth load of claims. The Australian Financial Complaints Authority, which receives these complaints, has received more than 2,000 complaints from flood-affected consumers. Delays in claim handling, the biggest issue. AFCA says disputes with insurers in the wake of the floods are the second largest significant event since AFCA began in November 2018. That's, of course, behind the COVID pandemic. Uh, There's also been a big rise in complaints about general insurance overall beyond the floods, with a 65% increase in general insurance complaints so far this year. And just looking at those um, floods in southeast Queensland and northern New South Wales, delays in claim handling accounting for nearly 40% of complaints, denial of claims because of policy exclusions or conditions accounted for one in three complaints and disputes over the actual claim amount represented one in four complaints. And we've contacted the Insurance Council of Australia, which represents the big insurance companies, for a response on the AFCA figures. Okay, Peter, thanks very much for joining us. It's the ABC Senior Business Correspondent, Peter Ryan.